This is Ashley Kelch, and you are listening to Life Coaching for Modern Renegades, episode number 38. Welcome to Modern Renegades Podcast. This is a life coaching podcast for the person who wants to learn how to lose themselves in the moment, not life circumstances. Each week, we will explore mental and spiritual practices that will inspire you to ask, seek, and heal. They are for the modern renegade. They are for you. Renegades, happy Thursday. I hope you're all doing well. I am doing quite nice, I should say. I have been doing some reading and some thinking, and it brought me here with you today in this podcast. I want to talk to you about love. Mm, Doesn't that sound nice? Love. You know, when I was 18 and fresh out of high school, a guy I had known for years asked me to come visit him in Seattle before I headed off to college. Let me see, I'd known him since I was 14. And even now as I write this, I, I can't help but shake my head. You see, this love story was fueled with emotional drama, all the ups and downs. This relationship was the catalyst for my move to Hawaii. This relationship was with me for years and years after. I would think about this person. I would wonder if we'd ever get back together. After all, he'd promised me one drunken night while we were hiding in his house and hiding because we weren't together anymore and he had a girlfriend. He said, we're too young to figure one another out right now. After we live our lives and have kids with other people, we'll be together. I will come for you, he said. That's romantic, isn't it? I held on to this. For years, especially when I felt trapped in a loveless marriage, that one day we would be together and I would know true love. I'd have a relationship that I'd never want to leave. The longing was real and it was so intense. I kept tiny reminders of our time together and I hid them in secrecy with guilt, afraid that someone would find them. The same way I hid my thoughts about our relationship to myself. It wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I began to let go of this fantasy that he and I would be together one day. I had met someone and started experiencing a relationship similar to what I probably longed for, and I just did not think about it in the same at all. But what I did do for 20 years was talk about this relationship, the way we have woven in and out of one another's lives over the years, how I bought him his first guitar, and now how he's a semi-famous musician. And what struck me this week was that I never failed to leave out the stories of emotional chaos, the verbal arguments, like the one where I jumped out of a slow-moving cab in front of the Showbox Theater in Seattle and started running down the street. I could hear him screaming my name, and I turned around, and while people streamed out of the venue into the streets, he yelled, Ashley Kelsch, I love you, and dropped his pants. I stood there with my eyes wide, horrified and slightly more in love than I had been in that car. The stories are a PG version of Sid and Nancy. There was absolutely nothing healthy about them or the relationship, and yet it's preoccupied my mind for years. And I can assure you that this story has come up nine out of ten times when dating stories come up for me. And it only just dawned on me how toxic it sounds, how toxic it was. Why have I been telling this story? Why did I hold on to the idea that he was the one? Was this what I believed was love? Or was I romanticizing my pain? 
I listen to my friends and clients talk about relationships, love, and dating, and so often this narrative is one of tragedy. We have affairs holding out hope that maybe we will be together, spend time hiding, lying, and fucking consumed with fear, guilt, and passion. We find ourselves in relationships feeling trapped, longing for something else, anything else, until it's over, and then long for what was and getting back to it. We attach ourselves to people who aren't available, holding out hope, because they are the one and we can't control who we love. We find ourselves falling in love and obsessed with the idea of where it's going, trying to control an outcome the entire time. We spend years in anguish over love. How is this possible? What is going on that in the name of love, we feel so horrible? What is it about love that has so many of us feeling pain instead? It seems like the experience of love is the opposite of what we imagine it will be, and yet we are hooked on it. Why? Well, we know that a lot of it has to do with your belief systems. I say yours, I mean ours. Our belief systems around love and relationships, how you were loved growing up. We know that our brains and bodies have also inherited from our ancestors a DNA blueprint on how we will respond to love and trauma. Some of these beliefs are easier to discover than others. The subconscious programming and inherited behavior is a bit more difficult. But there's also this other thing happening. It's this thing called dopamine. I've been reading up on it in a book called The Molecule of More. Obviously, I'm going to recommend it because I've been reading it, but let me just give you the gist here. Researchers used to think that dopamine was a chemical that released pleasure, but they have found it's a chemical of desire. They call it the reward prediction error. You think of something or someone you want, and the motivation to go and get it is dopamine. Dopamine has you working for things out of reach, goals that you are trying to achieve. You want to buy a house, get a car, climb the corporate ladder? It's going to require dopamine. You want to feel good? Have sex, drink alcohol, eat ice cream, watch porn? Dopamine's going to get you there. Dopamine is the thrill of the unexpected. Dopamine has you turned on by the idea. Dopamine has you wanting, but dopamine doesn't have you liking. And there's a big difference. Dopamine will send you out on the chase for love, but dopamine will not be the chemical you need to stay in love. It will motivate you to work your ass off and climb that corporate ladder, but it won't have you appreciating your new hard-earned position. It will have you out of your house in a minute to solve a food craving, but it won't leave you feeling good about overindulging in it. Your brain has a disconnect between the two things, the wanting and the having. Your brain starts downloading, though, these new neural pathways from going out on the chase. And it says, repeat that behavior, regardless of the outcome. As a matter of fact, once the thing you desired becomes attainable, easy and familiar, your brain is sort of over it. It kind of loses interest. This is when we have to start choosing the things. Learning to appreciate what you have in the present requires an entirely different set of hormones. These hormones are referred to the here and nows, the H and Ns. These ground you in the moment. We're going to talk about those later. I was listening to my client tell me how they met someone, and it was the best time she'd had in months. She said they spent hours in the park talking all things life and laughing. She said, it was amazing. That night when I got home, I felt high. The next morning when I woke up, I was still buzzing. I had to stop and ask myself, wait, am I attracted to this person? Or is it the fact that human connection has been so limited these days? 
Does laughing and talking about shared interests usually feel this good? Or is it more? Is it a pandemic? Are we understimulated? She genuinely felt confused. So she decided to meet up with him and some friends for a socially distanced dinner and said, when I opened that door, I was like, oh yeah, I'm attracted to this person. Throughout the entire dinner while he was talking, she said, my brain was exploding. Is this it? Have I met the one? And then she caught herself because this is where her brain goes. The story didn't end there. She spent 48 hours with him, truly believed that they had connected more than just casually and that there was potential. Her work, which I will outline at the end of this, is to watch her brain and body in these moments, not to react or respond to any of it, but instead just write it all down or call me. She said in the morning after they had had sex, she felt like she was floating. I'm watching myself and it's insane. I want to talk to him. I want to talk about him. I feel completely distracted and glazed over. I'm trying to manage myself, enjoy the feelings, not rush anything. But it's like being on drugs. And it lasted all day. She could only think of when they would be together again, how light her body felt. She couldn't focus on work. There was also this sense of this is it. She felt alive. This feeling told her that she needed to pursue it. She wanted more. This was the dopamine combined with the endorphins from sex, pure and simple. We chose to marinate in these feelings instead. By that I mean she would notice her feelings, describe them, see what thoughts she was having that were creating these sensations. She then noted what she wanted to do when she thought and felt that way. Like, text him immediately, ask him to do more, but didn't act on it, just observed it. The next day, she noticed the feeling in her body was not as intense that she could think about other things. The third day, still having good feelings about him, but wasn't feeling out of control or the impulse to chase. She logically knows this is her brain on dopamine. You see, my client is addicted to love. She loves falling in love. Her friends even tell her when it's happening, they love to see it because, well, she loses her mind over it. She doesn't just go all in. She like morphs and materializes into the state of being with the one in love. And it happens every time. She doesn't notice other men. As a matter of fact, her usual feeling of being a bottomless tank of need and attention is full. The world and herself suddenly make so much sense. The whole they complete me and make me want to be a better person is more of a blueprint here than a hallmark sentiment. But it's a false sense of pleasure. There's always a negative consequence for her. And when it's over, the emotional response is devastation. Every time. She gets just as consumed in the over as she does the beginning. She tells me, I just want to be desired by a man. It's been so long and I miss it. She has a history of going all in before she knows the other person and repeatedly falls for fast and furious. She gets swept up in the rush of feelings from texting, having someone get her, and believes because of their actions and her feelings that it must be real and true. She was familiar with the roller coaster of back and forth, the insane highs and lows from making up and breaking up, wanting something she couldn't have, being chased only to be left. Again, dopamine is a prediction reward circuit. It's all about what happens before the outcome. Rewiring her thinking about love and relationship has required her attention daily. 
especially because she's realized how disillusioned she is by the idea of finding the one. She believed that it would satisfy her, that being desired by someone would fulfill her. She's also very clear in her pattern to find herself reminiscing about past and failed relationships, pursuing people that aren't available, her pattern to repeat feelings of pain. Recognizing this, combined with an understanding of what is happening from the release of dopamine, has empowered her to make decisions from a place of presence. She has decided ahead of time how she wants to be in a relationship and practices this. She can now see herself when she starts talking to someone and watch how she starts to think, how she starts to behave. It's not new anymore. She can also see how her thinking about finding the one has actually been a false sense of reward with a net negative, that the desire to want is a human design, not a sign of finding her soulmate. Acknowledging what is happening in your mind and body, watching your impulses rather than responding to them is what starts the rewiring process. She's begun observing her reaction and then choosing her response. So what do we do? Well, renegades, what we do every week, right? We inquire, seek, and reveal. We know we want to date, but we don't want to keep rewriting the same love story. So how do we enjoy this juicy, intoxicating feeling of chemistry and connection, but not throw ourselves into the same heartbroken, dead-end role? I want you to ask yourself, what do I look like in love? What happens? How do I feel? What am I creating in my romantic relationships? How long has it been this way? Can you look back to the beginning and see how you show up? Know your terms of engagement your boundaries, your values, your priorities. This is the architecture of who you are. You do not want to compromise who you are and what you want. And I'm not just talking about marriage and kids, but I will tell you guys, I watch how quickly some of you want kids and you meet someone and they're like, oh, I don't really. And you're like, oh, no, neither do I. Your brain just does that. You need to be firm on these priorities of yours and the boundaries around your body, your mind, your time. Know all of it and lead from there. Take your time. We get so caught up in where the relationship is going, trying to manage and control this outcome and the people, that we really miss out on the process and the opportunity to learn about not just them, but ourselves, what we want and don't want. Dating is more of a self-discovery process than most. Go all in on that. Be present for that. Journal. Get it all out of your head and on paper. See the thoughts you're experiencing as well as the feelings so you can create awareness. Do this after the date. Do this the next day. The key to doing thought work is knowing that you have on average just 60,000 thoughts a day. Half of those thoughts are going to be negative, maybe even more. So here's the thing. You don't have to subscribe to the thinking. Just because you have a thought does not mean it's true. The thoughts that you have about yourself and your past, how you dated, your relationships, I can almost guarantee you most of those are not facts. And when you start observing your thinking, keep an open mind and remain non-judgmental as possible, you can start to see if that's serving you or not. And if it doesn't serve, ditch and delete. But you have to get it out of your head and put it on paper to materialize this and get awareness. It takes you out of the experience and allows for you to see and observe. Lastly, design and align. New thoughts, new feelings, new behaviors. 
want to decide ahead of time how you want to be in a relationship and start practicing being this person. Even if you're not dating, if you know down the road you're going to date, but you're not right now, you can start doing this thought work and becoming this person. In your perfect relationship, how do you talk? What is the feeling you want? What thoughts would you need to create to feel that way? How do you behave in a happy, loving relationship? What sort of things do you do together? See all of this. Start to embody it now. Start thinking this way now. This process doesn't guarantee that you end up with the one. Well, let me clarify that. You end up with you. You learn what love is, what you believe love is, and you start practicing it with yourself. So in that sense, you do. But what it really does guarantee is a new way of dating consciously. Suddenly relationships aren't happening to you and you have authority over yourself. You're less likely to lose yourself in this process. Okay, so next week we're going to talk about dopamine's drive to send people on that endless pursuit of hookups and how we can channel that energy to, well, I'm going to have to say more productive things. Sound fun? Sound sexy? I know. All right, hang in there, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Renegades, thank you for tuning in this week. If you're enjoying this podcast, please let me know. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and show it with a five-star rating and review. You can also head on over to my website, ashleymkelsh.com to sign up for my newsletter. Leave your questions or comments and just connect with me directly. I look forward to hearing from you.